How many of you want to be on fire for God? How many of you have been on fire for God and at some point in your life it felt like the fire went out? Yeah. I'll tell you that as a, a pastor, that is not an uncommon thing to hear. In fact, I, I heard a young lady one time, she just received Christ, and for some of you, you got to think back a ways. But remember when you received Christ, the, the joy that flooded your heart, the, the peace that came in, and you'll hear people say things like, I, I'm just on fire for God. And I even heard this young lady, she said, I know that this fire will never go out. And as somebody who's been walking with the Lord for a while, I said, Lord, I hope that's the truth. I hope that's the case. I, I want that. I would love for every believer to say that, that I walk with God and my heart burned brighter and hotter all the days of my life. But I bet you there are some people in the room, and I, I want to talk to you today. I want to do some teaching, and I want to come to you from a pastoral heart of what happens when you let the fire burn out. What, what happens? What causes the fire to burn out? And then for sure, what do you do to fan the flame? To get that fire back going. And so when this series is over, I need to tell you what my heart is for you. My heart is that you'd be one of the burning ones, that your heart would burn for God, that you would fall more in love with God. You say, Kevin, I'm already in love with God. Praise God. I want you to burn brighter and hotter and emit more light in your life. And so we're going to start this series out, and I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Leviticus. Yeah, when you've been there lately. Leviticus. We have many of you who are reading through the Bible in chronological order, and you're going to get to Leviticus. And when I read through the Bible in chronological order, I got to Leviticus, and I thought I would die. Can I just be honest? I got there, and I said, Lord, I'd have gone through, I'm only on the third book, and this one's going to kill me. Because there's a lot of laws and a lot of things that are going on. But, but maybe do this, for those of you who are reading in chronological order, maybe do this. Read through, and as you are seeing about the, the temple, realize that now you're the temple of the Most High God. That is desirous to come and live in you. And see if some of that won't be a shadow of what is supposed to happen in your own individual life. And see if that won't not only carry you through the book of Leviticus, but might even feed your spirit through the book of Leviticus. That'd be good, wouldn't it? All right, you're in Leviticus chapter 6. I'm going to be in verse 13. And here's what it says, the, the fire shall be kept burning continually on the altar. It is not to go out. God spoke to Moses who was to declare this to the priest, to Aaron, the high priest, and he was to tell him to make sure that the fire stays burning on the altar. Don't let it go out. Now, I've told you before that in the Bible, they don't have a way to underline things, put exclamation marks, things that draw our attention, emojis, they don't have those. Okay? And so how do you then draw attention to something in the Bible? Well, you say it more than once. If you say it more than once, everyone in the Bible knew, okay, once meant you were serious, twice means you were super serious, three means you ain't joking. 
I'm not playing around. This is important. Everybody knows. Okay, let's pay attention. So watch this. In verse 9, he says it the first time. The fire on the altar is to be kept burning on it. In verse 12, he says it again. The fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not go out, but the priest shall burn wood on it every morning. And he shall lay out the burnt offering on it and offer up and smoke the fat portion of the peace offerings on it. And then verse 13, the fire shall be kept burning continually on the altar. It is not to go out. If you are talking to the priest, and if I was to deliver this message, imagine for a moment that you are the priest. I would say to you, look, God has said, Whatever you do, don't let this fire go out. You ever told your kids this? Now, listen, I'm serious. You know, when you got to get their attention, you know, school teachers, you get down on their level, whatever it is, you, you grab them by the shoulder, you, look, you say, look me in the eye, right? Y'all look me in the eye. You would have said to the priest, whatever you do, don't you let this fire go out. Now, the question I had was this. Where's the fire supposed to come from? Well, who, who brings the fire? Who, who starts this fire? Well, before we find out where the fire comes from, we've been encouraged not to let this thing go out. And, and I actually think that's good that we've been told before we even get something how important it is. Are you with me? Before you ever receive the gift, you need to know how important the gift is that you're receiving. So don't let your fire go out. Now, where does the fire come from? Leviticus 9, verse 23. Let me read two verses for you there. Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting. By the way, the tent, this is where God met his people in the Old Testament, okay? Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting, and when they came out and blessed the people, the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. The fire came out from before the Lord, and it consumed the burnt offering and the portions of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted, and they fell on their face. Can you imagine fire falling from heaven, consuming the altar and everybody for the you've never seen this before it's the very first time and everybody goes whoa overwhelmed falling on your face overwhelmed before god can i tell you that god is fire god is fire he declares himself as a fire throughout scripture in so many ways if i can take you on a tour real quick through the bible in Deuteronomy 4.24, God says, I am a consuming fire. Not just any fire, but a consuming fire. And then in Exodus, when God chooses to meet with Moses, he meets with him over a, a burning bush, over fire. But this fire doesn't consume the bush. Then fire comes to this altar. When Solomon builds the temple, they need a new fire. And what happens? Fire falls from God and it burns the altar. The fire comes down and lights the fire again in the temple. When John the Baptist was preaching, what did he say? He said, this man Jesus is coming. And he says, he's not going to baptize you with water. 
He's going to baptize you with the Spirit and with fire. Did you know that when you received Jesus, not only did you receive the, the Spirit of God, but you were supposed to receive the fire of God burning inside of you. And then in Acts, when the Holy Spirit comes and it falls on the church and it is poured out on all mankind, when they saw it fall, they looked and they said, oh my goodness, it looks like fire. Fire falling on the people. So now, because y'all are such good students and such good listeners, where does the fire come from? God. You can't create the fire. Can I tell you that? If you try to create the fire in Leviticus chapter 10, you can read about it. You can try to make your own fire, but God calls that strange. <laughs> and He'll burn up that fire. <laughs> he, he says, I'll, I'll have no part of you creating your own fire. I will be the fire. That's question number one. Now, what is this fire? Are you saying literally that we're supposed to see fire coming out of us? I want to introduce a, another word to you. And the word is glory. That's a good biblical word. It is throughout Scripture. I spent this past week looking it up. It's in Scripture about 367 times. That was a lot of work. That was a lot of work following this thing glory and the interesting thing is this that where the fire of the lord is the glory is there to the point that i decided that the fire of god represents the glory of god now most people if i asked you and i, I would be hesitant you guys are the best and the brightest well taught a students, I know if I asked you to define glory for someone out in the world, what does glory mean? I know you would all say, ooh, let me. Let, let me tell them. Right? No, no, no. Glory. What is, what is glory? It's found 367 times in Scripture. Paul, he keeps talking about the riches of God's glory. He says, you need to encounter, you need to, you need to experience, you need to see the richness of the glory of God. What's the glory of God? It's a little bit like trying to define the word fantastic. It's a, a little bit like trying to define the word pretty or beautiful. You ever tried to define those words? At some point, you almost stop and you go, look, I, I, I can't define it, but I can show you. Right? It's like, I can't, I can't define pretty, but now I can show you pretty. I, I, can't, I can't define beautiful, but, but I can show you beautiful. And I can show you enough beautiful things, though, that when, when something appears and we go all, oh, that's beautiful. Like when you, the skies captivate your attention. Did anybody notice the skies this past week? Beautiful. They start out kind of an orange color down at the bottom, a yellowish-orange color. And then by the time they get up into the sky, they're this rich blue. And yet somehow you can't tell the difference in between. And I'm like, God, that's just beautiful. And David, when he talks about 
the glory of God. He says that the, the glory of God is on display everywhere. It's in the, the sky. It's in the clouds. What is the, the glory of God? The glory of God is when the presence of God is in your face. <laughs> Can I describe it that way? The, the glory of God is when His presence is no longer just this theoretical thing that we've been talking about. Not something that my mama used to tell me about. Not something that my Sunday school teacher was trying to tell me about. No, this thing then got up and sat right in front of my face and I can't see anything else. It's like, whoa. It's the presence of God, y'all. The glory of God is the presence of God in such a profound way that you can't deny it anymore. Some of you have experienced it in His goodness. You just go, ooh, <laughs> that's all you can do, right? There's, there's not much you can do. Uh, David, he says, when you see the glory of God, it makes you want to glorify Him. To give Him glory, give Him praise. Because you look at that and go, God, you're so good. Or, or when you have encountered the love of God, you say, God, I cannot believe that you love me that much. I cannot believe that you died for me. I used to believe that God died for everybody else. I couldn't believe He died for me. <laughs> but then the glory came. <laughs> but then the glory of God came, and it hit me in the face, and I said, He died for me. <laughs> he loves me. He's good to me, the glory of God is represented by the fire of God. And it is when you encounter God in such a profound way that all you can do is go, oh, fall on your face, worship God, whatever it is. But I will tell you this, that when the glory of God touches your life, it will do two things to the people around you. So I want to, to spell this out for you. When you have encountered the, the, the glory of God and His love and His goodness have overwhelmed you, His presence have over, uh, overcome you, there are some people that are going to come up to you and they're going to be like, ooh, I want what you have. They're like, I don't know what you have, but I want that. You ever run into somebody and you go, they just have something I don't have. They have an encounter with the glory of God and it has made you hungry and thirsty. But there are some people who encounter the love of God and they look at you and they go, strange. Who do they think they are? Who, who, who does Tanya think she is? In the middle of a song going, Jesus. <laughs> so I said, who, who does that woman think she is? You know, or or somebody else a Baron. Baron go, oh glory! Somebody, glory. What's glory? Who's he think he is? Don't think that's strange, because the Bible said that that when the glory of God touches your life, that there will be people that say, "Ooh, I want some of that." That's what I've been longing for. But to other people, it says that Jesus will come as though a stumbling stone. And you will cause them to trip over the very presence of God. Because for whatever reason it is, they don't want what you have. 
And because they don't want what you have, that means they have to discredit the glory of God in you. Yeah, I'm not even charging for that. I'm not even going to charge. I'm just giving that out free. Because some of you just went, now nah, I get it. Now I know why my life causes two very strange things to happen when I encounter people. Yeah. Can I just tell you, don't worry about the ones who are stumbling because people stumbled over Jesus. Yeah. Just worry about being a light and being hot and on fire for God so that those who are hungry for thirsting for God will experience it. Yeah, so this glory, that is the, the fire of God. Now, biggest thing for you to get today, the question that you have to know the answer to in order for all of this to make sense. Are you ready for it? Whose job is it to keep the fire going? Who's? Somebody said, hold on, can you, can you repeat the question? The question is, whose job is it to keep the fire going? <laughs> can I go on and get that out of the way? It is not my job. <laughs> it is not my job to keep all of your fire going. Can you imagine what that looks like? I'm over here going. <laughs> and then I look. Oh, no. I, this one needs to. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, there's one in the back. <laughs> can, can you imagine? But do you know that there are people that go to church and they expect the pastor to keep their fire going? There are people who go to church and they expect the praise team to keep their fire going. There are people who have left churches because they said, they didn't know they said this, but they said, those people wouldn't fan my fire. And I tell you, it was never their responsibility. It's always been your responsibility to keep your fire going. You're like, I don't know if I like that. I love you. I don't care if you like it or not. It's the truth. <laughs> you don't know why? Because over in the, the New Testament, you said, but Kevin, you took an Old Testament verse and you're trying to tell me that applies to my own individual life. Well, it does. Because in 1 Corinthians 6, chapter 19, it says this, your body is a temple of the living God. You want to know where the temple is? You're the temple if the Holy Spirit lives in you. If you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're the temple. That's where He always wanted to dwell. In you. That you would be conscious of His presence. That His glory would be in and surround your life. Woo! Yeah. Man. And then in 1 Peter 2, 9, it says, not only are you priests, it says you are a royal priesthood. Wait a minute, what do priests do? Uh-oh, what, what, what do priests do? Leviticus, keep the fire going. <laughs> you want to know what to do? Keep the fire going. You want to know whose fire to keep going? Not your spouse. Tend your own fire. 
It's amazing how many times we can see a fire going out in somebody else's life and be just as cold as ice. Sometimes I think we recognize it in others because it feels alike. Yeah. You're a royal priesthood when you become a believer. Keep the fire going. And then Romans 12, 1. What, what am I supposed to put on the fire to keep my fire going? Your body. <laughs> it says that you are to be a, a living sacrifice. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to see the fire and go climb up on the altar and say, take me. Consume me. Fill me, God, with your power. <laughs> but the devil don't like people on fire. And the world doesn't like people on fire. It's amazing how you can get excited about the latest technology. You can get excited about the newest record that's out. You can get excited about politics. You can get excited about anything, but don't you go get excited about God. <laughs> but I'm telling you, you have to be one of those burning ones. And you have to know that a fire left untended goes out. A fire neglected is going to go out. If you've ever built a campfire, you build that thing, you get it hot. It is giving off heat and you're thinking, man, this is good. It feels good. Go to sleep and leave that thing for a while. And what happens? It burns down. It, it burns out if you give it enough time. Can I tell you that if the fire in you is not tended by you, it'll go out. Did you hear what I just said? I just said that if you do nothing, this is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. See, most people think that I can just stay in a place and I'll maintain that as long as I don't do anything wrong. That's not what I'm saying. It's not true. What is the truth is that you will burn out if you do not tend and keep the fire of God in your life. Yes. So I hope that you are primed right now to go, oh my goodness, it's been my fault all along. Every time the fire has gone out, it's been me, not anybody else. It wasn't even, it wasn't even God's fault. You know what God was supposed to do? Blow on it. That's what God, He starts it and He blows on it, but it's your job to feed it. Now here are the eight greats, and I'm going to run through them, so you're going to have to buckle up. It's the eight great things that will cause your fire to go out. I gathered up our leaders, sent out some texts and some emails, and I said, what are the things that sustain your life? And we're going to talk about those. And how the glory of God fills those things. But before we go there, you need to know these eight great things that will cause the fire to go out in you if you are not careful. And here they are. One is, you neglect your schedule. What do I mean by that? 
I've seen people pray for jobs and say, Lord, I need a job. Come to church. Would y'all pray for me to get a job? And then they get a job and then you don't ever see them. And you say, well, where are you? And you say, I'm just so tired. <laughs> I, I just, I work all week and I get to Sunday and I'm just so tired. And I'm telling you that that job that God gave you that made you thankful will also be the thing that if you're not careful will draw you away from God and cause your fire to go out. Your job, being busy. I'm just so busy. Those of you who have kids, I don't even ask you how you do it. If you've got kids, I don't even ask you how you do it. I know how you're doing. You're busy. Yeah, but can I tell you that if you neglect your own personal schedule, you will set up an example for your children that God doesn't matter. Because if God's not important to you, why should He be important to them? So if you neglect your own schedule, and, 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 and sometimes you'll have people, some of you probably need to stop doing some stuff because you're too busy. And then some of you probably need to spend more time with God because you a meddler and a busybody and you ain't got enough to do. Got rough up in here, didn't it? I run into some people and their schedule is out of whack. They don't have anything to do. And a person that doesn't have anything to do is a prime candidate for depression, is a prime candidate for anxiety, is a prime candidate for worry, is a prime candidate for gossip, it is a prime candidate for busybody. And I would tell you, one of the first things I would check is this, just check your schedule. Some of you probably need to stop some things and some of you probably need to get busy because you're not doing enough. So your schedule and then... Number two, conflicts, trials, and opposition. When, when things come against you, whether it's from without or it is from within, and it can look like a family struggle that nobody else knows about, just your family, but you are in crisis mode, that thing can suck the life out of you, can it? Yes. A financial crisis can suck the life out of you. I have never seen anything that can suck life from people and thoughts from people and their attentions and their emotions other than their checking account. When people are saying all manner of evil against you, when there's bad relationships and unforgiveness on your part, do you realize that you cannot hold on to unforgiveness and hold on to the fire of God? You can't do it. If you need a, if you need a good reason to forgive, I'll tell you. Here's a good one. Because you can't hold both. So if you want the fire of God, you're going to have to let go of that person. You're going to have to forgive them. When, when those conflicts come, what the devil is trying to do is wrestle your attention away from God because he knows that if he does it, if he gets your mind and your emotions your fire will go out. So you know what you have to do? you got to tend that. That's what this whole nest series, I think I'm hitting some places. Y'all better, better come back because you got to hear the rest of it. <laughs> Number three, 
sin. Sin will cause your fire to go out. Because there are sins that they're intended, per all sin, let me say it this way, it's not some sin, all sin. All sin leads to death. The wages of sin is death. Every sin, if it is the wages of it is death, it lets you know that sin is not leading you toward life, which is in Christ. It is leading you toward death, which is in the devil. So you cannot hold on to sin and hold on to the fire of God. You can't do it. That's why we have this thing we're calling Celebrate Freedom. It starts on January the 23rd at 6.30 p.m., which is for you to live in freedom. Do you know that Christ set you free? He sets you free, and you ought to live in freedom. And if you don't know how, then you ought to come on January 23rd because if you allow sin to remain in your life, the fire will go out. One of the greatest ways it does that is it causes a great deal of guilt and condemnation. You ever notice that? Especially those, those sins that so easily ensnare us that the Bible talks about. When you fall into that thing, what do you do? You go, there, I did, I did it again. There I go. And the first thing you think about is, you know what? Obviously, I have done it. Now God cannot and will not ever speak to me again. Can I tell you that the mercies of God are new every day? Amen. Amen. But I, can I tell you that God loves you so much that He's fire? And the fire comes not to kill you, but to purify you. So I, I can tell you, God's not going to rest if there's sin in your life. Not going to do it. He's not going to rest because He's a consuming fire. He's going to burn until He burns it out. What you need to know, though, is that He is coming as a loving Father to burn that thing out. Not to burn you up. Okay? I'm not a fan of the turn and burn stuff. Not a fan of it. Because I think all it does is make people afraid and they turn from God. No, this consuming fire of God, you know what you ought to do? Rather than run from it, you ought to go run, jump right in the middle of it. <laughs> you, ought, you ought to run and jump right into God, a consuming fire, and say, God, you've got to burn this thing out of me. God, you've got to burn it up. And all the guilt and all the condemnation. So when you walk in here and you want to know, I don't know if this is the right place for me. Can I tell you it is? But if, if you're going to stay here, you've got to jump in the fire. Yeah, with the rest of us, you're going to have to go jump in. <laughs> and let and let God burn this stuff out of us. Amen. Yeah. And, and the way you do that is not by hiding your sin. Can I tell you that? And it's also by not standing up here and saying, Kevin, I guess I just need to confess in front of everybody. No, you don't. No, you don't. What you need to do is get some people that love you, some people that, that you trust, and be open and let God heal you. Oh, i got to move on. Number four, neglected fellowship. Ooh, neglected fellowship. What do I mean by fellowship? Fellowship's a biblical word, and I'm going to keep it because it's in the Bible. <laughs> so when you read it in the Scripture, I want you to know that it's connected back to this. Fellowship is not a meal you have at church on Wednesday night. Although you can have fellowship over that. Fellowship is not sitting on a pew or a seat. Or a couch. Fellowship is this beautiful thing that believers have where they share their life with each other as they share Christ with each other. So I sit down with you guys and I say, you know what, I'm struggling. 
and I need you to pray. Amen. And then not too long from there, they come back and they say, you know what? <laughs> I'm struggling too, and I need you to pray. And we get together, we encourage one another in the Lord. And we just don't talk about good advice. We say, you know what? I'm not sure what to do. Let's go to the Word and see what God would say. That's fellowship. And can I tell you that if you remove yourself from fellowship, you will grow cold. If you take an ember in a fire and you grab it with some tongs and you set it, you don't even have to set it far outside the fire. You just remove it just a little bit from that fire and give it about an hour and that coal that you took outside the fire will have burned out. While the other fire is doing just fine. Why is that? You are not supposed to live outside of the body of Christ. Can I tell you that? And that is more than sitting on a pew or a seat or a couch. That is genuine fellowship. And I think too many times it is lacking. And since I have been meddling in parenting, I will meddle again because I is one. <laughs> I am a parent. And I have to make sure that as a parent, my child knows that fellowship is important. How do you think my child is going to know that fellowship is important if it's important to me? He'll know if it's important if it's important to me. <laughs> I bet you there's not a single one of you in this room that would look at your child and your child go, you know what, I don't feel like going to school today. And you go, you know what, that's okay. When you feel like it, you go on back. The truancy officer from Chester County would call you up and say, you better get that child back here or we're going to take you to court. And yet, how many parents would look at their kids and go, I don't want to run them off from God, so if y'all don't want to go to church today, y'all just go and roll over. No, you better get your butt up out of bed. <laughs> You're like, did he just say that? I, I'm, I'm serious, y'all. There, there's no place for us as parents to make that thing kind of iffy wiffy you don't tell them that that their education is unimportant y'all just go whenever you feel like it why because you know i am not paying for you the rest of my life that's what you're thinking you're gonna go to school because you're gonna get a job and you're gonna leave my house <laughs> and the same way is you're gonna go to church because you need the fire of God in you, and I know what happens when I'm not there, so I'm going to make sure you know how important it is for you to be there. Moving on. Number five, neglected disciplines. When we start cutting short. I've noticed, and let me back up, I have noticed that when things are going wrong, one of the, the first two things that will disappear from a believer's life is when they're going through sin or conflict or struggles, they'll pull away from the body of Christ. That's, that's one way you'll know something's going on. When you stop seeing them and they start ignoring other believers, you know something's going on. And then the one that we can't see is when we start neglecting time with God. It's You're the only one that can see that happening. 
when, when you, you're skipping time with God, you're so busy that you're like, okay, I'm just going to roll over and sleep until I have to go to work, or you know what, I'll read when I get home. Well, I'm too tired. No. And, and, and it becomes like a chore. Why? Because it's not filling you up with the glory of God anymore. You're not meeting over the Word like David says in the Psalms. He says, I, I set before you, God, my heart until you consume me with your fire. Do you know how you get consumed? It's that you read the Word of God and let it consume you. But when things happen in our lives, one of the first things we neglect is the, the reading of the Word, the studying of the Word, the meditating of the Word, our, our prayer time with God. And I'll tell you that you'll be the only one to know that. We, we, we can't tell it. I can't. I can't tell it. We, we notice when you start being absent and disappearing and, and we can't find you and all that kind of stuff. That's visible. You can see. But you need to recognize that in your own life and know that's why the fire is burning out. Number six, neglected gifts. Did you know that God has given every one of you who calls His name has given you a gift? I would say He's given you a spiritual gift. Now there are those who would say that God no longer gives spiritual gifts or only gives a few but not all that are in Scripture. Can I tell you that I have honestly read the Word of God? Search to see if the gifts were ever supposed to end. And I see nothing in there that says that. I see no place that God says, oh, by the way, these things are, are going to pass away. I, I don't see it. Because if, if they were going to pass away, why did he write so much about something that was passing away? Why did he give so many instructions on it? In fact, I've memorized 1 Corinthians 13. I know what it says about prophecy passing and gifts passing and knowledge passing, but that's when the perfect comes, and that's the return of Jesus. That's not this. I got a little heavy in the Word right now. I just need you to know that if you come here, we believe that the gifts are valid, that they're not dead, and that they're supposed to be on fire inside of you. But if you don't use the gifts inside of you, ooh, listen to this. If you don't use your gift, you'll burn cold. Do you know why? Because your gift positions you to need God. It'll put you in situations where you don't have the answer in your natural mind. And now you've got to pursue God for a spiritual solution. Your gift pulls out the best in you. And if you've been sitting in church saying, you know what, I just show up. Can I tell you, it's time to get going. You say, I don't even know what my gift is. Well, have you tried to pursue it? Have you searched it out? Have you searched out anyone that would help you find your gift? And if you say, no, I, I really haven't, then I would say, if you don't use the gifts of God that are in you, the fire of God burns out. Number seven, the calling and purpose of God on your life. Your purpose in life is not to make money, retire, and die. That is not your purpose in life. And many of you aren't fulfilling your purpose in life by your nine-to-five job. Can I tell you? And, and that's okay. That, that There are people and you say, you know what? I, I'm just not feeling it at work. And I would say, that's okay. That there, there are jobs that we do. There's assignments that we have. But don't just go and do your job and go home and sit on the couch. 
fulfill your purpose. What does that look like? For, for Gerald and for Chris, it looks like soccer. They spend all day out with these kids doing soccer because I believe they can convey their, their purpose and life in that. For Kim Skynyers in the back, she's a counselor. And so her purpose is when she gets done with work, she comes down here and counsels people the rest of the night. Can I tell you that if you get off work and go home and sit on your couch, you may rest, but you won't be rested. You'll rest, but you won't be rested. What you need is to be alive. You need passion. You need something to pour your life into. And so you've got to live out the purpose and the calling of God on your life. And part of the fun of that is figuring out what it is. Do you know that Moses was an old man before he knew what his purpose was? So for some of you, you're like, look, I've been trying to figure out what my life's supposed to be about. I, I don't know. Can I say keep pressing in? Because not every tree bears its fruit early in its life. In fact, Psalm says every tree bears its fruit in its season. So you got to stay rooted and grounded in the Word you got to keep pursuing God. And then before long, I assure you, if you will just keep being obedient to God, you will not only find your gift or gifts, but you will find your passion. Amen. Number eight, then I'm out of here. <laughs> Number eight is neglected praise and thanksgiving. Those acts of worship. When you, when you stop being thankful, and you start being discouraged. And now you don't see the goodness of God. You see the struggle. You see the pain. You see the problem in front of you. And so thanksgiving and praise gives way to discouragement. Do you know that if you give that long enough, discouragement will give way to criticism. And before long, not only is your life not what you want it to be, but nobody else's life is what you want it to be either. Did you catch that? Yeah, man. When you stop being thankful, you start being critical. And you start noticing everything that you don't like about your spouse and your kids and your workplace and your church and everything else. Nothing satisfies you. And so I will tell you that if you want to keep the fire burning, and you've got to go out sometimes at night and look up at the sky and say, thank you, God. You've got to go out in the, the midst of the day and look up at the sky and say, thank you. And you've got to look at a, a child being born. Jackie just had a grandbaby, and you've got to say, only God. And you've got to begin to see Him in everything. you even got to be able to see Him in people who don't act right. And when they don't take your advice, when they don't take your help, you've got to be able to see that and go, you know what, Jesus? There's a lot of times I don't take your advice. I slipped that right in on them, Gerald. There's, there's a lot of times, God, when, when I don't do what you tell me to do, and yet you love me still. And, and in those moments when people aren't acting right around you, it is a perfect time for praise. It's time for you to go, God... Oh, I need you because you're the only one I know that can keep loving when nobody else is loving back. You're the only one who stays faithful when everybody else is unfaithful. 
So just let the praise and the thanksgiving leave your life, and before long, your fire go out. So Amy, come on up here. Here is our invitation. I did not preach this message to call you out. I preached this message to call you in. Not to call you out, to call you in, to call you back to your first love if you've lost it. Or to the person that's sitting here and you're like, I have never experienced the fire of God. I've never experienced the glory of God. I've never been overwhelmed by His presence. Do you want to? Do, do you want to? Because if you want to experience His presence, we can show you how. Now I'll tell you this. God gets to decide when He wants the fire to fall. Okay? But He also says this, whoever desires to come, whosoever will, let Him come.